Welcome listeners, and thanks so much for joining us again on another episode of the Four Meals and One Jackass podcast. And this is episode two of our summer series. We're still right in the middle of the summer break, but in a couple of weeks, we're back to race week. So we're looking forward to that. In the meantime, I hope you're enjoying our summer series. Joining me, as always, is my main man. I'm Christopher here, and yeah... So we thought we'd talk a bit about the drivers that haven't gotten too much attention because uh, simply there was so much going on in this race. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this. And then the final episode will be more about the big incidents that we saw in the race. So Fantastic. Let's jump right in. Yeah. And Christopher, I know that you're actually dying to talk about yeah. Nicolas Latifi. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about Latifi because first of all, I think he's been overlooked a lot. He hasn't really shown much, but he's been very consistent last year. And he's been, you know, the one that's been closest to getting points for Williams because he's been in the positions when things happened. Russell has been unlucky on the first laps, for instance. So he's been he's been very consistent, not flashy or anything at all. And now in this race, uh, after the first lap incident, he was up into third place and he held it there for a long time. Uh, of course, it's Hungaroring, so it's hard to overtake here. But I think him being able to hold that position is what ultimately cost Sainz the victory, because I think my money would have been on him for most of the race in winning it, but he was stuck behind Latifi. And because of that, all the other drivers were bunching up, and that is basically also what helped uh, Ocon in the end win the race, and also what helped Russell to be able to get up into the points so both of them could yeah, uh, finish in point-scoring positions. So... That drive, I wish to have seen more onboards from that or anything. Absolutely, because, because was that was going to be my point. It was very significant in the race. Yeah. And you saw it on the timing screen. Unfortunately, like always, the direction of Formula 1 only focuses on a few little bits. Yeah. But I cannot stress the, the significance of, of Latifi driving around in third place and ultimately how significant it was to the race result. So how it sort of compromised the, the strategies of drivers just behind in faster cars who would have been in contention for the victory at the end. So I think you saw, obviously, Lewis Hamilton having a, a, a better strategy towards the end, but that wasn't planned. That was reactive because mm -hmm. they had to. But you look at Fernando Alonso, you look at Carlos Sainz, they were on different strategies. And had they not been um, held up right after the safety car restart and got a few seconds ahead, they could have been well in contentions uh, battling with Ocon and, and Vettel yeah, at the front. Exactly. And I think... Had so it's a shame we didn't yeah. see that uh, live on TV, but I saw it on the timing screens and it was there at the like the corner of your eye yeah. to the left that like um, I was expecting perhaps that once they came out of the pit lane, uh, after the safety car restarts, they would immediately be jumped by all these cars. Yeah. But it didn't. Nope. They held their ground, uh, both wins, but Latifi specifically held their ground. And it was impressive. It was an impressive drive. So Absolutely. it flew under the radar, but it has been noticed. Yeah, he did what Ocon did to Fettel for most of the race, basically. Uh, I would have loved to have seen some onboards from science or basically see what the cars behind were seeing, you know, um, because he, he was... He was also keeping a gap, as far as I remember. Like he was, he was just managing really, really well. And had he been in like fourth or fifth place uh, at that point early in the race, I don't think both Williams would have gotten points. Um, so yeah, massive, massive drive. Took the opportunity when it came, and then he, you know, his consistent driving paid off. So 
I think that was yeah that was a very beautiful moment for for Williams and it made me really really happy because not only they were a bit lucky in the beginning but it wasn't like you know a super lucky result they saw an opportunity took it and then they held held on to it for the rest of the race and yeah it could be massive for them and it can be massive for Haas as well if if they finish last uh, this year so I think perhaps it was massive for Latifi himself yeah. as well um, having achieved a huge result in a week that started with uh, Jost Capito, the, the CEO of Williams, actually coming out saying, you know, with these new owners, perhaps we're not in need of pay drivers yeah. anymore for next season. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, based on this result, I think this season we have seen an improvement of, of performances uh, of Latifi. Yeah. Of course, he doesn't set the world alight with his qualifying performances like his teammates. His teammate is, of course, under uh, a huge magnifying glass simply because of his talent, but also the fact that he's British and the, the media tends to look at him for the next superstar. He is a Mercedes junior driver, so he's always well. in contention for that seat. Um, one thing that came to mind actually during the race was um it was lovely to hear uh george russell on the radio telling the team you know compromise my race if it helps nikki yeah if it helps latifi because he was in a better position when i heard that radio message i think it was directed towards lewis hamilton and toto wolf because he just got the mercedes job with that message because that's absolute gold fucking music in the ears of Toto Wolf. If a driver is willing to compromise his own race because his teammates is in a better position. So perhaps, the, I mean, George Russell seems like a, a nice guy that he would have the best for his teammate as well. But is there a bit, perhaps a bit of strategy right before the summer break saying to keep in contention? Nah, I, I am willing to I accept honestly the don't number think two so. role. I honestly don't think so. I think from Russell's point of view in the race, He's thinking, first of all, for his best, what, what best position he can be in. But he knows that Nicolas Latifi at this point had an amazing opportunity. And like, if that means three more points for Williams because they focus on him instead of just, you know, finishing ninth and 10th, then it absolutely makes sense. And I think at the position Russell was in at the moment, there was not much to lose from that. So I think he is just a, a great team player. It wasn't because he wanted that to be seen. I just think that's part of him. He's not in a championship contending position anyway. I think it would change. I think he has a big fire uh, within him and some frustration, Russell, sometimes that can come out. Um, but in this case, there was nothing for him to be upset about. And I think, yeah, it, it was just the right call regardless. And yeah, sometimes the drivers have a better view of this. Um, so I think that's why he wanted to help the team out. So, yeah, you mentioned Haas before mm-hmm. and it's going to take perhaps another crazy race um, in the latter stages of the season for them to score equal amount of points or points at all. We never know. Hopefully we do see another crazy race where anything can happen because that's why we tune in as well. It's part of the excitement of the sport. But from how it looks right now, uh, knowing that there is no development on the car, on the Haas car whatsoever, it is going to be quite a tall order for for them to uh, finish ahead of Williams in the constructors championship. Yeah, I mean Williams have momentum. They are actually improving race by race, and has they're just standing still. So, 
for them to finish ahead of Williams now or not finish last in the constructors, they need a miracle. And I don't think that they they even have the means to grab an opportunity when it arises. They're simply just that far behind. Um, well, we'll speak about Williams in a bit, but I want to focus or have the last point on, on Williams. Mm-hmm. I think Williams is going to be one to watch for 2022. Yeah, I think so too. So essentially coming out, firstly, Josco Pito saying we don't need pay drivers, but on the face of it, look, if Nicolas Latifi can pull out performances like this or just be consistent. So when others falters, you're there to pick up the points. I think he's, you know, with the additional sponsorship that he brings, he could be an attractive driver to keep for Williams for next for next year. Absolutely. Then as well, of course, we don't know the situation of George Russell. Is he going to Mercedes? Is he not? If he is, it opens the Williams seat. And I just wanted to give a quick, you know, mention of Nick de Vries. Oh, yes. Formula E champion. Formula E world champion. World champion. First yeah, world exactly. champion in Formula E, even though the series so, is older. But yeah. Exactly. So Mercedes actually announced our withdrawal from Formula E uh, at the end of next year. Yeah. So become double world champion and then leave the series. And he has been linked with the seat. And I think it will be fascinating to see him in Formula One to see what he can do because he does have pedigree you yes. know he he was like it it took him a while in junior formula but he did end up having the results he did become formula two champion and becoming formula e champion how the championship and the races the amount of races and the fan boosts and stuff so it is there is a gimmicky aspect to it so it's not easy to have a dominant victory we will never see a lewis hamilton style championship win in formula e like the, the championship just isn't isn't made that way yeah. so to become formula e championship is quite a feat in my opinion absolutely it's a strong field like i actually watched the race uh, live by accident uh, it was on a channel i could watch on tv so lucky me usually I, that's fantastic yeah so i don't think we've had that in formula one in like 15 I years know. so it was just like it was in standard definition and all that but i was like oh sure i'll i'll, I'll watch it and it, it was a good race lots of racing um some tough drivers there's a bit more bumping going on the circuits are not ideal let's say that way it's, it's still a series that is like working progress I, I feel but yeah some really strong drivers and you mentioned yourself uh nick de Vries, and yeah I've, i'm glad that he's finally getting some attention and i believe he's also the first world champion in any formula car uh from the netherlands uh something Correct. like that uh, Correct. in any case it was yeah it was really really happy to see that because he deserves a shot in formula one we did talk about the young drivers in a couple of episodes ago. Like, there's so many that have simply deserved the seat in F1 and then haven't gotten it. And now talking about Latifi as well, you know, he was maybe not a driver initially that had the same pedigree as the other young drivers. And you would say if it was only based on your results in your junior careers, he might not have gotten a Formula One seat. But he's shown consistency. And I think he, if Williams decide to keep him, it would be smart while they're trying to figure out uh, where they stand while they improve it up to a midfield team. I don't think he would be a good driver if Williams end up becoming a top midfield or a top team. Then they definitely need to look at other options. But until then, it would make sense. And paired with Nick de Vries, I think that would be that would be a really good um, solid lineup. Yeah, slow and steady and rich wins the race. Yeah, that's Formula One for you though. <laughs> yeah, in many but, ways. But uh, anyway. we we mentioned the 
they're contenders mm-hmm. this season, um, the Haas team. Yeah. And of course, when we talk about Haas, first let's mention um, the incident in the pit lane with Nicholas, uh, not Nicholas, with Nikita Masovin, which was just very unfortunate, very amateur like. It was an unsafe release mm-hmm. uh, by Alfa Romeo and Kimi Raikkonen. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, this time, yes, Nikita Mazepin was spun around, but it wasn't his fault yeah. this time. Uh, completely innocent of that. Uh, it did free up his teammate, Mick Schumacher, to have an incredible drive. Like It was a fantastic race by him. Yeah. Uh, and one of the flavor makers, along with you know the Fernando Alonso's of, uh, of this race, yeah. in my opinion. He was very aggressive, Mick. Uh, he was driving so defensively. I mean, that's the only thing he can do in, in a slow car on a track like this. But I saw something that I really hadn't seen in his F2 career either. Like some, like, oh, it is a good, it's a good Danish word for it. But uh, the devil in its devil, like, like some really like aggression there that you wouldn't imagine coming from him, which is really good to see because. Well, it's sort of like he has absolutely nothing to lose. Exactly. So um, for him, crashing out or finishing it's probably going to be the same position yeah. and he's not going to be in contention for points. Yeah. So even though he had way quicker cars behind him, he saw that if I can hold him back for maybe one, two laps, yeah, I can put myself in the spotlight and absolutely. at the same time have some fun because when I am, when am I going to be in this position next that I'm battling Max Verstappen, that I'm battling Lewis Hamilton? This year, in this car, none. Yeah. So once the opportunity actually arises, he did, something very smart he put himself in the spotlight showed his race craft which again was aggressive it wasn't too over the top but given the limitation of the car you know i think he did brilliant yeah he put on a good show for us that's for sure and yeah i was wondering if he had that kind of aggression in him and now we've seen he has so i can't wait to see how he he develops we all know that he's a good driver that keeps developing in his careers usually so i think it can only go upwards from him from now on now he's testing the limits a bit more he has a better understanding of the car possibly so he can play around with it more and when you can do that you you improve on all areas i think so yeah very exciting i just want to quickly mention I think for that. him hmm? f- sorry just the last yeah? thing for mick for him it's going to be equally important for him to solidify himself mm-hmm. as a formula one driver so that we that we start venturing away from the fact that he's michael's son and more, this is Mick Schumacher, the Formula One driver. I mean, I have, you know? ever since his F2 days, I think that was pretty obvious. And you kind of don't see it that way anymore. You know, he has the results. Um, he seems to be a good kid. So regardless of that, I think, you know, maybe he's gotten into his career because of his father's name. But he's he's done the rest himself. So uh, good job on him. Like, And then the onus is also up to us to... You know, stop making that comparison. Stop yeah. bringing up the, the name. But uh, last thing about it, uh, which he's also been promoting on social media as well, there is going to be a documentary about Michael Schumacher going to be released on True, Netflix yeah. in September, yeah. which I'm very excited about. Uh, be very interesting because historically, Michael Schumacher has always been a private person. Um, we only have third and experience into his, his psyche and insight into what's going on, what makes him tick. And uh, especially listening to podcasts of, of various people who work with them in some capacity, whether it's the engineering, where it's the, the sporting side, where it's just the business side. 
everyone has a story about Michael Schumacher and he shall remain one of the cornerstones and pillars of Formula One history forever. Yeah. You know, and I think for the young generation, you know, for the drive to survive generation, it'll be good for them as well to, to sort of see where we are from where we came from. Yeah. And I think Michael Schumacher is a huge part of that. Um, a huge part of the successes of Mercedes within the last couple of years as well, having been there. So it's, uh, you know, keep fighting, Michael. Um, and, and I look forward to watching the documentary. Me too. I mean, he is the most influential person in Formula One ever, period. I mean, when you say Formula One, it's Schumacher. That's it. Like Senna, sure. Prost, unfortunately, he's quite underrated. Hamilton as well, but that's very nowadays. Let's see in the future how 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 big his name will be. Possibly as big as Michael's, but other than that, it's yeah, it's uh, it's Michael Schumacher's sport in my opinion. So his legacy lives on in Formula One as well. But uh, I think the fact that there hasn't been a documentary about him and his career, um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's a bit weird. So I'm looking forward to seeing no, it as well. because it made sense. Because this time, because um, he's always been a very private person, and in fact, if uh, the support of the Schumacher family wasn't there for this documentary, I would also have reservation in watching it. Yeah, same. Uh, simply because of the yeah, know, yeah, yeah. But I don't the, think the, like the current I, state I, and such. But. Yeah, but I just mean like um, you know, a longer documentary that maybe doesn't go into his private life, but even just his Formula One career. There hasn't really been that, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it regardless. So. Yeah, yeah, cool. So from a former Ferrari world champion to perhaps a future Ferrari world champion, Carlos Sainz. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet you were expecting Charles Leclerc there, but Carlos Sainz, yeah, why not? He, you know, stars align. He has the talent, he has the consistency, he has the speed he has to the pull it off. And he yeah. has the mind, the, 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 the strength of mind to also be there, which is like, yeah. You know which vibes he's giving off what? for me? Sort of Jensen Button 2009. Sort of consistent peak performances sort of thing, you know? You Knowing mm. that he can operate the car yeah. and the car is there, still getting to grips with everything, but... He is very intelligent, in my opinion. He knows exactly. And what was just beautiful to see was that he dictated the strategy, knowing that historically Ferrari has always fucked up on strategy. Wanted to call him in and then standing his ground saying, no, 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 trust me, man. We're not going to come in. I'm going to stay out. And that's exactly what you need to do to succeed at Ferrari. I mean, that's what Michael Schumacher did, like, that's what it all came down to him. That's what, that's what Fettel to, tried to do. That's what Kimi tried to do. That's what Alonso and Massa tried to do. But Ferrari always said no. Like it has been since since yeah 2008 or whatever. Ferrari has been a bit of a joke when it comes to sh- sh- strategies. You know, before the the Ross Braun era, they were so strong. And then since then, shit show. Yeah, absolute absolutely shit embarrassing. Show. They've probably lost so many championships simply because of the strategies, because of the stubbornness. Um, because I think within the organization, there's a lot of brilliant people, but then somehow that just gets pushed aside because we got to do what we got to do, what we planned, you know. But in this case, science knew exactly what he's talking about. And sometimes when, when you are driving, you know how the tires feel. 
you know that you could push a bit longer that you've been holding something back and on the, on the pit wall you might not see that so clearly so absolutely brilliant and that's what yeah uh, saved his position and your comparison with him to Jensen 2009 I don't know I, I, I see him closer to Alonso in 2007 in a McLaren like maybe not as quick on raw speed as Alonso but that fighting spirit sometimes still making mistake being very aggressive on track but outside of track he's not of course but yeah he has a lot of confidence and he can really like manhandle the car uh which a lot of drivers that change team uh haven't been able to do so yeah he looks he looks so confident in that car and him and Leclerc I think is probably the strongest lineup um this year so yeah um it's been a while since the race but I have in my notes just science strategy and that's the thing that just pops out for me um, and for the rest of the race he was managing it well and I don't think he had he gone with what the pit strategy was he would have been two three places further back and we would still have thought it would have been a great effort but now this just kind of he can thank himself for for doing that you know we ended up with a Ferrari podium uh, and that is because uh, the Sebastian Vettel disqualification yeah. is now official yeah um Aston Martin withdrew their appeal uh, to that. No, they re um, repealed their right of review, but not the appeal itself. But that will get rejected. No, no, actually, they've they're actually withdrew. Oh, they withdrew the whole thing. Ah, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is very uh, un Otmar esque, but uh, I would say, um, yeah, it was. We've mentioned before he was in the contention to win, and I thought. It could be one of those days. I think he drove brilliantly. And had there been a true, let's say, synchronization and, and working in unison between the strategy, the people on the pit wall and the car, I think they could have gotten a better result in this race. Had he gotten past uh, Latifi early in the race, no doubt he'd have been past both the cars in front. Like, maybe not like... Uh, overtaking wise but he would have been up there with them and in contention with the three of them and i think he would have more in his car to being able to make a move so yeah so you know we are at halfway of the season mm -hmm. somewhat also unfortunate news that the japanese company has been cancelled for this year yeah um so if we take a look at all the drivers who have switched teams it comes to mind that Carlos Sainz is the most settled of the bunch. So we're talking about um, Daniel Ricciardo, Sergio Perez, uh, Sebastian Vettel. Sainz. And that's it. Yeah. Alonso. Sainz and Sainz. Uh, Alonso didn't switch teams. I know, but you, yeah, in a way I would count him with that as well. So, and maybe the two Haas boys as well. Uh, maybe not. So let's just keep to the drivers who drove in Formula 1 last year and switched to a new team for this year. Because if we throw in Alonso with it, it would just muddy the, True. the point. Yeah? He's his okay. own category always anyway. Fantastic. Yeah. So I think science is the most settled of the bunch. Um, being, you know, sort of... Being overshadowed by Leclerc's qualifying performances uh, as well. Uh, someone managing to snag pole twice, I believe. Yeah, uh, insane. Bringing out red flags himself. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think when it comes to Sunday, um, he does have that delivering vibe just smoothly. 
uh, and and you know not getting to grips with the car I knew of. Of course, there's still a lot to learn, but he has confidence in his Saturday, for yeah, example, exactly. which I can't say about the other drivers. No, and that's his. That's the point where he says he's want to improve is his qualifying performance. Uh, interesting enough, even though I think he's been doing very well keeping up with Leclerc. But we also have to remember he's changed teams quite often. Like he started at Toro Rosso, then in a Renault, then in a McLaren, and now in a Ferrari, uh, which like on paper, what a crazy cool t- trajectory to be on, right? Both at McLaren and Ferrari, right back to back. Um, but anyway, so, and, and when he first moved to Renault, he wasn't really that visible, you know? I think he had some issues with the car and then his second year, he was he was much closer to Hülkenberg in performance. And the McLaren we now know is very difficult to drive and had some issues. And we don't see that from the outside until now where more information comes out and more drivers have been able to compare the cars. So it's really interesting to see. Maybe he's he's very intelligent, I but think. And he's probably one of those drivers. Ha- hmm? Did he have a second year at Renault? Because he did the last few races of one season. 2014 and Rosso. 15 and 16 and 17. Toro Rosso. I thought he only had 18 one season and 19 Renault. Renault. Wait, let me. Was it just one year? Uh, let me just be, quickly check. Because I think he was just unceremoniously dumped. I could be wrong. It's just off the top of my head. But you are correct. He is the driver that has changed teams um, the most. He's changed team mid season, remember? I just remember yeah, now. Correct, yeah. So he did the last few races of, the, of one campaign. Uh, yeah. when he already signed for Renault and then um yeah he exactly yeah he, he got in um but then he only did one full season yeah before true. he lost the the Renault drive yeah, yeah. and then from there we thought uh, his career is over and look at him now he's a Ferrari driver and yeah I'm super happy for him he seems like a good lad as well so it's a it's a it, they're a great bunch of lads the the F1 grid this year you know they're not these super macho aggressive dudes they, i don't know they seem uh, they seem like nice guys and i think uh, it's good to see that um, f1 drivers can be nice people as well you know even though i think inside he has such an anger and he's talked about that a couple of times fury yeah a fury. he has, fury. He has Spanish. such a fury and i think Bastion, that helps him you know yeah yeah so going to let's go to our last driver let's go to big dick rick yep and that's I would juxtapose, you know, Daniel Ricardo with Carlos Sainz. I would still rate him as the driver who switched teams that are still struggling with performances and have adapted the the least uh, to their new teams. Yeah. And that shows also in in results. So if we compare the championship standings, uh, his teammate Lando Norris, third position in the world drivers championship ahead of both second drivers of the top teams that itself is a massive achievement i mean of course we're mid-season uh it only counts towards the end of the season but to already be there in this position halfway through the season is is mighty impressive and then to compare that to his teammates yeah how would you analyze his his half season so far um he reminds me when Kimi moved back to Ferrari in 2014. Kimi had blistering speed in the in the Lotus 2012, 2013. A bit more conservative than Cochin. And then suddenly 
paired up with Alonso, new regulations, um, new tires, everything, a different driving style, and Kimi just never really got into it, I think. And I still think he, yeah. And he hasn't really recovered. He hasn't really from recovered that. from that. And yeah. I don't know, maybe that was in part due to, I think, regulation changes and how Kimi is with tires because he can be a very aggressive driver. I was watching some old clips of him. Like, oh man, uh, it's amazing. I'll, I'll send you the link later because, man, Kimi back in the day was absolutely amazing. And I think Ricardo has, driving style-wise, they're quite similar, you know. Um, they can be quite aggressive and force the car into places where it really shouldn't want to go, but they end up managing it. And I think the McLaren car just does not drive that way um and we talked about this as well before and we can't really be sure of how it is but it is strange because i think in most of the other cars on the grid ricardo would be would be quick and i think in the ferrari actually that car would suit his driving style very much where you can kind of manhandle it as we're seeing with leclerc and uh, science doing right now and i don't think you can really do that with the mclaren you have to be a bit more like norris was saying i think uh after qualifying in austria how he had to blip the throttle a bit mid corner just to get a bit more rotation so the car would turn and like in order to do that you really have to understand the car you know that is like at the very 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 last bit of performance you can get out of a car when you do stuff like that and it just goes to show how how well adapted he is to the car and that ricardo still needs to adapt i will say this race though ricardo had a good race um he had damage so it wasn't it wasn't a, a high position as he maybe should have been his qualifying, though, that's what was really poor, and that was a bit shocking because this is a track he's good at, and in every sector, he was he was basically slower. He was a bit more hesitant. He was slower on the throttle. Everything just looked um, not ideal. It looked like a smooth drive, but but not aggressive enough. And I don't think he has the confidence in the car yet. So I hope he will improve. Um, maybe not. I have not any hopes for him this season to improve. Actually, I think. They'll have to wait for the new regulation changes, new car, start fresh to see how he'll he'll do because uh, yeah, they 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 are not going to develop much in the car anymore, and I think the team should focus more on Lando to be honest because he has potential to to keep that third place you know, and he's the best hope for McLaren scoring good points so they can keep the the third place in constructors as well. Yeah, we mentioned it before, but uh, I think Lando came out in the media uh, crediting both bosses, both Zach Brown and, and Andres Al, highlighting the time he took for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's come out in the past of, of and very rightly so, a breath of fresh air, talking about mental health issues, yeah. which, you know, for a Formula One driver in the past, we've all, always seen the, the machismo of it all yeah. with the mustache and a cigarette right next to a fuel tank sitting on the tire and you know these are the best drivers in the world and it's so manly and stuff but him being very open uh, you know on on twitch he's less on twitch nowadays yeah, uh, than busy. he was before but he's just accessible yeah. but just coming out and saying like i i had to work on myself and perhaps we're seeing the results of that work yeah uh, for sure uh, i think same category we mentioned before, uh, Roman Grosjean, uh, openly coming out saying, um, I, I was seeing, a, and still am seeing a, um, a therapist, which, you know, just the, the self-work that's going in is paying off. And I think for me, he has been uh, the driver of 2021 first half. 
putting in performances that have left us all in awe and, and in amazement. Um, the third place in the championship. You know, we talked about this, that it's a real possibility in one of our earliest podcasts. But uh, to actually be right in the sense was unexpected yep. because by right, he is in positions. He has no right to be based on the car and, and, and his his competitors. Yeah. So he had good drives is... last year, but not so consistently. Like he's improved on every area. So, yeah, I'm really impressed. This, came, this like you said, it came out of nowhere, kind of. And uh, yeah, uh, I think... He has a big following now of fans, you know. Um, apparently, the most merch sold at Silverstone was not Lewis's, but it was Lando. So, there you go. I want Lando cool. merch as well. <laughs> Fair enough. Unfortunately, your birthday has already passed. That's so, true. wait until next year. But I'm a grown-up now, so Lando I can buy Norris, my own presents. 2022 you know? Formula 1 World Champion. Anyways. You know what? So, I would put money on that. I would put money on that. Lando Norris, world champion, 2022. I think that will be a good bet. We don't know what's going to happen. And if McLaren make a good car that will be good enough as a top three, I think he's consistent enough to maybe not have the best car, but still win the championship if people are fighting. It'll be worth uh, going to the betting office for sure. Yeah. So now that we're fully vaccinated, we can actually go to This is not financial advice, by the way. We have to just put that in there. And we don't Anyways. give odds. We don't know. We do not condone gambling. Absolutely not. Uh, just, just so you guys are aware. So, next episode will be a cracker. This episode will... is sponsored by Bet. No, <laughs> joking. <laughs> uh, anyway. Play responsibly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh. So yes, uh, hang out for a word from our sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, don't mention no. names, Ryan. You can't do don't that. Me. We're gonna bleep that. We're not out the now. BBC. I can do whatever the f we want. We could, we're on Spotify, and if we say this, and uh, someone from this company uh, hears this, then they could get very upset. So we cannot say in any way we're affiliated with any companies because we're not. Okay. So, if you are listening, uh, please <laughs> send us to some Grand Prix so we can we can do like we can do our We're talking. In ab- fact, I have a pair of green underpants from you. That. Uh, um, True. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways. Why do I know You know, that? anyway. that's the sign. That's the sign where you know we've had it up. Yeah. So I said, next episode will be a cracker. We'll end it with a bang before Formula One returns. Yes. Yeah. As always, uh, we had some fantastic feedback, actually, regarding the music, regarding the, the episode. So thanks very much for that. And uh, as always, should you have anything to shout about or you want us to shout about something or if wants us to say something uh, let us know follow our instagram and our twitter and uh in the meantime everyone a please keep washing those hands and everyone else too uh keep washing them hands all right bye bye